This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. And you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Well, hello and welcome to a bonus Albion analysis. We don't normally record midweek, but when the Baggies sack their manager, we pretty much have to because there's, there's something really big to talk about. So here we are, myself, Chris Hall and him, Pete George. Um, Pete, we've only been doing this podcast since, um, what was it, around February time. And yet we are likely to soon be on to our third West Bromwich Albion manager to discuss. It's getting beyond ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah, and it's it's been the story for long before we started the podcast as well that we just keep keep turning out managers like there's no tomorrow. Um, and obviously that's not not good for the stability of the club, especially when when we're constantly changing styles as well. Absolutely, and I mean, although having said that, that's not to say that we think that this was the wrong decision because we really don't. We th- we we think this was absolutely the correct decision to to get rid of Bruce. The time had run out on him. People question whether or not. Um, he should have ever been given the job in the first place. And having read some of the things that we've read in Elias Burke's absolutely brilliant article in The Athletic today. And by the way, if you haven't read it, read it. I know The Athletic is a subscription service, but you can read a certain amount of articles per month for, for free. If you're an Albion fan and you haven't read Elias Burke's article in The Athletic today, you really, really should. We're going to talk about a number of the things that are in there, but it's pretty damning on the recruitment process, on Ron Gourlay, and on some of the things Steve Bruce was doing around the training ground. It's it's a real eye-opener and absolutely terrifying, to be honest. But he had reached the end of the line. There's no two ways about that for Steve Bruce. Questionable why it took as long as it did to actually get rid of him because... I think we all knew after, certainly after the Swansea game, that was it. And for him to continue on for two games more than that seemed absolutely ludicrous at the time. But Pete, the writing's been on the wall for a while here that 
Steve Bruce was not going to see out the season. I think we could all see that was the way it was going. I think Birmingham had sort of uh, tilted us towards that. And after Birmingham, it was only ever going to take a really, really good run of results to that would save Steve Bruce over the course of this season. And I don't think any of us thought that that was necessarily coming. And yet here we are. And I'm I'm looking at the bookmaker odds at the moment. And Sean Dyche is a favourite at two to one. Uh, we'll come to the the specific names in a bit, but I don't think there's any chance of Sean Dyche taking it. I would be gobsmacked. And then after that, you're looking at seven to two, four to one, five to one, five to one, seven to one. Now I've I've uh, I've worked in betting, as you know, Pete. What I would say to you, what I would say is looking at those odds, having worked as a bookmaker or worked at for a bookmaker, I should say, not as a bookmaker, that when you see odds spread out like that, what that goes to show me is that one, the bookmaker has not got no idea who is coming in. It also suggests to me that there has been no heavy money from anyone on who those uh, requested, uh, because at the moment they're limiting bets, but no heavy bets requested on any of those individuals. So it doesn't seem like anybody knows who the next West Bromwich Albion manager would be. And I would suggest that, Ron Gourlay is also in that category of not knowing who the next West Bromwich Albion manager will be at this moment in time. Because generally speaking, again, I've I've worked in betting and I've also worked in football. I've worked for West Bromwich Albion Football Club. And what you tend to find is that when they really get down to a short, short list, it gets out very, very quickly. The people on the short list tell people, agents, managers, uh, that these these people tell people and it, it, it goes around like wildfire. It doesn't take long before the cat's out of the bag. So I think if we re- had a really strong idea of who it was going to be, think back to the last time we sacked a manager. Steve Bruce was just cut so short. Almost, I think it was the same day as uh, as Ishmael was actually sacked. And that's not the case now, which suggests to me that Gourlay doesn't know who his next manager is going to be. Now, I'm not saying that he should rush into a decision. I don't think that at all. And and the accusation in The Athletic today was that there was no recruitment process the last time when we sacked uh, Valerian Ishmael. That's wrong. I think there should be a recruitment process. What I'm saying, Pete, is I think that recruitment process should have been happening over the last two to three weeks to be honest. And I think we should be fairly, they they should have a fairly strong idea of who they want. They should have a fairly strong idea of who will and won't come. And they should be fairly well down the line with uh, with the manager, because I'm telling you right now, Dan Ashworth would have been. We said that the writing was on the wall of the the Birmingham City game. And um, I mean, we both said that if if you're going to sack the manager in the next few weeks, you've got to do it at the start of the international break. Um, And that gives you time to, to appoint and to to give them chance on the on the training ground with the players. Obviously, we didn't. Um, but you'd think the the least we'd be doing over that two week break would be to to kind of start putting together a shortlist, um, shortlist of managers that that we want to speak to and and kind of know where we might be going if we do do sack Bruce in the near future, which obviously we we have done now. Um, but that shortlist doesn't seem to exist, um, and it's it's kind of a pattern that's occurring throughout the club, isn't it, initially in the summer with the transfers and, and now with the manager? Yeah, West Bromwich Albion does not do lists. That seem, that that seems to be the long and short of it. 
I, I just find it crazy. It's just one thing after another where the people at this football club don't have a plan. And we, we're going to come back to the manager situation more specifically very shortly. But just to go to the just to go to the athletic article from today, Pete. It was highly damning on our recruitment over the summer. It basically said that I mean it it was like. It was a 1990s approach to recruitment that was being described by Elias Burke in that article, where he was basically saying that Pierce and Bruce and Gourlay were thumbing their way through their contacts book for players that, that, that they knew. And they ran through the list of players that we went for. And it was um, John Swift, who Gourlay knew from Reading. It was Jed Wallace, who Bruce had tried to sign before. It was Yukoslu, who obviously uh, the club knew and, uh, and Pierce knew from, from his time on loan there the, the, a couple of seasons prior. And then even down to some of the others, like Eric Peters is Bruce's neighbour. Like Brandon Thomas Asante plays with, uh, w- with Matt Smith, um, at Salford, who is Bruce's son-in-law, and I mean, it's just—it just seems like there's there's utter like nepotism going on at our club, where we don't we we don't think outside the box. Uh, you know, I mean, it's it's all just—it's a boys' club. I think is the best way I can describe it. We are one big boys' club. We are people getting jobs for their pals we have been for quite a while here and it it scares the hell out of me that we're not we don't seem to be hiring and buying on on merit or who the best best people are or based upon um actual data because i mean ian pierce in the recruitment department very much sort of like the closest thing that we've got to a sporting director at this moment in time should have dossiers on various managers. As I say, Dan Ashworth, um, I always go back to this example. When we hired, I think it was Roberto Di Matteo, Dan Ashworth actually got some stick in the press because his words got twisted a little bit. Um, he, he basically, they, they said, have you had your eye on Roberto Di Matteo for a while? He said, he said, we always have a list of managers. He says, I've, I have, I have now got, I have at this moment in time, got the list of managers ready that would replace Robbie if he was to go. And the, the press twisted that as, you know, Dan has got no faith in, in the person he's hired. It was nothing to do with that. It was purely to do with good planning that, even when you've just hired a manager, you should still have the list of the list of people that, if he quit tomorrow, decided that the the the, the job and the glorious town of West Bromwich were not for him, that, uh, and decided to go somewhere else. That you that you have a list of candidates to replace him, and we're not doing any of that planning. We don't do it in our recruitment. It just seems to be who's in. Gourlay's phone book. The, the the summer recruitment seems to have been who do Gourlay, Bruce, and Pierce know? I mean, that, there's no imagination to that. And now you've got to be scared, Pete, that the recruitment for the next manager will be who does Ron Gourlay know? And and I I look down the list of people on the betting odds, and I think, oh God, like Roy Keane, John Terry, and Mark Hughes jump out at me. Um, Names that I wouldn't want any of the three of them, but I know for a fact that Gourlay knows them and that scares me. You wouldn't be surprised if it was someone that there was links to because, as you say, that's how we seem to have been run for the past past eight months at least um, with Gourlay and Bruce. The fact that he didn't didn't interview anyone 
before recruiting. I, I would say before that though, Pete. I think Dowling did uh, did a lot of uh, a lot of his stuff was uh, was people that he knew, and even even Nick Hammond bringing in Alan Pardew, who he knew from Reading. I feel like we've been run like this for a long while now. Well, then it's even even deeper in the club, isn't it? And it's another we've spoken about um, atmosphere and and kind of kind of the way the the club within the dressing room um, and there's issue the culture's culture that's what I'm looking for the culture within the dressing room and there being issues there and that needing to to be um, changed well maybe it's it's deeper than just the dressing room and it's actually throughout the the boardroom as well and there's there's serious issues with the culture and as you say nepotism um, that word gets gets thrown at Steve Bruce a lot mainly because of Alex Bruce but but after reading that article Score, there's, there's more reasons than that. Um, just to recruit well, throughout well, the it's summits. not just that, though, is it, Pete? It, you, you say about nepotism with Steve Bruce and Alex Bruce, but it's worth noting, and this doesn't get publicised much, that I'm led to believe Ian Pearce has his son on the coaching on the scouting staff as well. That's just ridiculous, then, because it's unless he's got some serious credentials to actually be on the scouting staff, which he may do, he may not do, but it doesn't jump out as you jump out at you that he would if he's his son. Um, I mean, you've got to recruit on, on merit. Otherwise, you're going to have this fall fall from grace as a club, the downwards trajectory that we're on. Um, because you, you're not appointing the best people for the job. You're just appointing people that you know or people that you have relationships with. Um, and it's it's going to affect the, well, the overall standing of the club in the long run. And that's I think that's what we've been seeing in the past 10 years. Yeah, and I think I think that's I think ultimately that's what's holding us back, isn't it? Because I mean, you look at you look at some of, some of the stuff that's that's gone up. I mean, Elias Burke, word for word, said, "quote There was no recruitment process for Steve Bruce. He he was just given the job. How can that possibly be? I know I've just criticised Gourlay for not." Not not acting swiftly after Bruce has dis- been dismissed, and you might think I'm being sort of hypocritical, almost playing both sides here. I personally don't think I am. I think what I'm saying is that, that uh, Gourlay should be doing due diligence, but I feel like he should have done it three weeks ago, and uh, and that we should be well down the line of due, due diligence at this point. But I, I I just can't believe that we would hire a manager, whether Gourlay knew him or not, without doing due diligence of the, as to who's available. I mean, thinking back, there probably wasn't a lot available, but that that doesn't really affect the decision at all because you never... I mean, Steve Bruce may have just... He may have completely lost his interest in, in management. You you don't know without interviewing him. Um, he may have... Well, I mean, Pete, he seems to be massively out of touch. I mean, there's another quote in the Elias Burke article where it said that a a, a short while before the season started, he didn't know that we were allowed five subs in the EFL. Yeah, and that doesn't scream someone that's desperate to to manage and desperate to get back into the game. Um, I mean, that's basic stuff. If you've really got an interest in, in management, it's not even a question whether you know that really, is it? So it's... Yeah, obviously massive issues in, in not interviewing, um, which in a way is, is promising that we've not got a, a standout favourite and haven't appointed someone yet because that would have probably been the same situation that they haven't been interviewed. I mean, I think we should have been planning weeks ago for this, but at least we're not just, at least it looks like we may actually do a, a proper recruitment process rather than just handing the job over to someone to the CEO's mate and who doesn't seem to, to be 
have that much interest in, in football. But will we do a proper recruitment process, Pete? Because uh, because it seems that um, the, the, the you know Pierce doesn't seem to have that much knowledge, nor does Gourlay really. They seem to they, they they seem to have some decent contacts in the game, and they know some people. But in terms of having a wide net uh, and a real depth of knowledge, which my I think where I'm driving at is, you know, if they went and hired Sean Dyche or Chris Wilder. I believe that they would know who what who or what they were getting. But do you honestly think that they could intelligently go and find the information that they need to find about a manager from abroad or even a manager from League 1 or, or or something like that? Do you think do you think honestly these people will do the level of diligence that it takes to actually find these people or do you think that they will they will basically do what the bookmakers have done, which is which is pull out the, the the most obvious names, and probably look at people like Dyche and Wilder and whether they'd come, and then probably look at someone like Corbran who got to a playoff final, um, Scott Parker who's obviously got two promotions out this division, rather than because uh, I think some of these would be bad fits for us. They, they, they've clearly got some ability as managers. They wouldn't have achieved what they've achieved if they if, if they hadn't. But I think they, they could be bad fits. I think, for example, Carlos Corbran, I rate him as a manager, but at Huddersfield, he worked very closely with Lee Bromby um, as a, in, in, a, in a structure that supported him in terms of recruitment. He wouldn't have that with us. So whilst he might have done quite well at Huddersfield, I don't think necessarily he would he would do a great job for us, but I don't I don't trust them to even look at it at the depth that I've just looked at it. And by the way, you what I've just said you could find out from Wikipedia. That's not that's not me having some massive level of in depth research. That's like that's literally googling the names of Carlos Corbran and Lee Bromby, and you could find out what I've just said. Like you know, I, I don't consider myself to be some guru of these sorts of things but i think they'll just look at names what do you think well you mentioned the the work that should that would have to go into it by um Gole and, and in pierce but that work should have should have been done months ago um like you mentioned with with ashworth he already knew his next manager was going to be just as he was appointing the current one so the whatever you're going to be looking at for the managers that that initial homework should be done a long time ago and now you should be sifting through and seeing who who is available um Who'd be able to tempt in, and who who fits the, the makeup of the crowd, and is going to be able to adapt to that quickly and, and make an impact. Um, so, if they've only just started the, the recruitment process, then, then I mean that's a, a worry as well because we're just we're just months of work behind where where we could be and where we should. Be. So, it's I mean I think at that point you you've got to start looking at the obvious candidates, um, the ones that are making the the bookmakers lists as the favourites, um, or as you wouldn't be surprised, someone that Gourlay has connections with and can bring in easily and, and knows them and, and wants to do them a favour and give them a job. So, And this is where it becomes constant short-term planning and this is why you have such a churn of managers, isn't it? Yeah, and that's why a director of football might be in appointment then and a manager at this moment in time because we need that long-term planning and the appointments of managers needs to be long-term, the recruitment in the squad needs to be long-term. The appointments of backroom staff needs to, and um, members of the board need to be long term. So we need that. We need that football structure. We said this a year ago. 
Um, well, maybe not quite a year ago because I don't think we started by then, but we said this six months ago. And yeah, I mean, Gourlay spoke about it and we don't seem to have, have made much progress on that. It all seems to have been talk without much action. Um, so yeah, I can't say I've got too much faith in, in the appointment of the next manager. It's interesting you mentioned the coaching staff there. I mean, obviously, along with Bruce, um, uh, Clements, Alex Bruce and Steve Agnew all went out the door. Now, I think back to my time at the club, Pete, and we, whilst we would change the manager at times and his assistant might go with or normally did go with him, we still had a core of coaching staff who didn't go anywhere. Keith Downing, Dean Kiley... Um, also um, Michael Appleton all served under multiple managers at West Bromwich Albion it wasn't we didn't we didn't rip the whole thing up and start again when when the manager went now not only have we got to uh, got to replace the manager but we've got to we've got to build a new coaching staff I mean the closest thing to to consistency that we've got at the moment is James Morrison and it it's again it's not a it's not a particularly successful way to run the club because because the issue is you haven't got a clue what it is that you actually want to do in terms of a style. I mean, one of the things that was levelled at Bruce in the in the Elias Burke article was that appar- apparently certain players said that Bruce did not have a defined style of play. I would go a little bit further than that. I don't think the club has had a defined in fact I'm, I I don't it's not I don't think I know the club has not had a defined style of play for years really I think yeah, I think to be honest we kind of we kind of threw the uh, we 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 threw the playbook out the window a little bit at, at Steve Clark's sacking when we when we tried to go a bit left field and go uh, and go abroad and bring in a continental type manager and we had Dave McDonough in the uh, in the hot seat ever since that Steve Clark sacking I don't think we've had an identity as a club uh, as to what style of football we, we want to play and you know we've we've bounced from Pulis to Pardew which made no sense we went Billich to Sam Allardyce which made no sense and Valerian Ishmael, who was just so different to everybody else that he made no sense. And I I think we talk about we need a sporting director. Yes, we do. We need a new manager. Yes, we do. But we need an identity. We need somebody to sit down and decide what style of football we want to play for, not for the next season, not for the next two, but for the next 10 years you know, you can tweak and evolve that style of play, but a general overarching ethos to the club, or not necessarily a style of play, but something that something that binds the club. You know, take Brentford as an example. Brentford have evolved their style of play through various managers to a point where what Dean Smith did was is very different to what Thomas Frank does at the moment in the in the Premier League. But there are, the overarching ethos of what Brentford stand for, i.e. bringing in players from Scandinavian countries or from lower leagues and making them better and selling them on at huge profit and continually evolving that, uh, that, that, that squad and investment in players so that they become assets of value is still an overarching ethos at Brentford. And we don't have anything like that. We have nothing that binds this club that says that's what we stand for. 
And we, that, that, for me, Pete, that's what we're crying out for. Yes, it probably would come from a sporting director, but it, I, th- I think it could more come from from a chief executive or an owner who knows what they want to do in the long term. We're just so short term, time and time and time again, because we have we don't stand for anything, and it's not about a style of play. It's not even about a recruitment strategy. It's just about the club having an identity of where it wants to go over the next 10 years. You're right there. We need a plan um, and a plan that's going to be consistent and and actually be well thought through and can allow us to get from where we are to where we want to be, which is, I'd most likely say, is an established Premier League, Premier League club. Now we're, we're very far away from that at the minute. I'd say at least, at least 10 years. Um, but we've got to have that plan in place and, and stick with it, even if things don't go right straight away. We somehow got promoted this year. I think it's very, very doubtful at the minute, but then um, went straight back down. You can't just throw the, the plan out with that. You've got to stick with the plan um, and kind of keep working towards that to, to have that long-term success. There's no point just, I think we, we get into the Premier League and then we panic and then any kind of plan we we have goes out the window, like with Billich when we switch to Allardyce. Well, it's interesting um, you say panic there, Pete, because if you have a plan, it does calm everybody down as well, doesn't it? Because you can sell it to players when you when you buy them. You can say, look, this is what this club stands for. This is what it will do over the next five years, regardless of, to a certain degree, regardless of what happens on the pitch. And it and it kind of means that when when things don't quite go right on the pitch, nobody else panics because they're like, but it's okay. We know what this club's going to do. I, I, I'll be honest. Under Dan, and when Jeremy Peace was the was was the, the the chairman, nobody around the club, nobody even panicked when we got relegated. If anything, Jeremy was just just saw relegations as an inevitable part of growth. To be honest, uh, because he always had a plan to come back. It, Jeremy almost took it for granted that we would be promoted the next season to a certain degree because he had that much belief in the stability of the club, in the project that Dan Ash was, was putting together and the fact that he knew he could hang on to the players, that he'd done the contracts right and he, and he built a club that was, that was capable of yo-yoing between divisions. He wasn't worried. It was calm when we went down. There was no, there, there was no harem scarum about it. We've got none of that now. No, you're right there, and you'd have that plan to get that calmness. But you've got to be, you've got to be confident that you've got the right plan as well. Um, for example, Bruce was clearly the wrong plan, um, and if we'd stuck with him, then that wouldn't be wouldn't have been a positive. Because despite maybe Bruce being the long term plan, if it's not the right plan, then then obviously things aren't going to work out. Um, I think right now, I don't Forrest, think he was a plan though, Pete. I think he was a, he was a stopgap. Well, yeah, I think it was just an, an easy appointment for Gourlay and means Gourlay can have his job for a while and Bruce could have his job for a while and both earn a bit of cash. But yeah, plan's probably the wrong word there. Um, but like Forrest, they've just just given Steve Cooper um, a contract extension despite them not doing particularly well so far in the Premier League, um, which is, I think that's just confidence in their, their long-term plan that Cooper's part of it, even if they do do get relegated, then then they probably believe that he's the man to take them back up, which um, I don't think you can really argue with. He'd probably be one of the, the best managers in, in the championship if he was managing 
in this league right now. Um, and Norwich did it for, for a number of years with Daniel Farker. I think he took them up and down maybe two or three times. And and despite getting relegated, he would still be able to bring them back up. So I think you've got to have consistency at the right times. And you've got to make sure that, that the plan is correct and that people can have confidence in it, whether that be the fans, players that you're signing, um, current players. And at that point, then you can stick with the plan. Yeah, and I suppose it's almost like, where do we start with our plan? Because at the moment, the immediate concern is we haven't got a manager. And obviously, we do need to we do need to bring a manager in. But equally, Pete, if it was me... And again, I'm just I'm just going back to the going back to the bookmakers odds that I've got in front of me. And I'm looking at them and I'm thinking, who would be a long term solution? Because that's what I want to see. Uh, that's this is now um, we've now fired six managers in six full seasons that Gao Chun Lai has owned our football club. We cannot, cannot keep doing this. We have only gone through the whole season with the same manager once, which was Slavon Bilic in the promotion season. This is not sustainable in the long term. So I'm looking down the the, the odds and I'm thinking, who would be a long-term manager? Because I'm telling you right now, Roy Keane would be six months and he'd be sacked uh, again. Uh, I think... You know, you look at names like Liam Richardson, and you, uh, and I think the fans would it would be like um, Pulis and Ishmael and, and all that again. The fans wouldn't have his style of football. The, the 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 football that Wigan play is absolutely dreadful. I mean, I I personally don't agree with people who think Sean Dyche, if he came in, would inevitably play a. Uh, pl- uh, play a long ball style of football. I think. I, I think actually, Sean Dyche has said a number of times that that was a means to an end because he, because he had a certain, he had a very small budget at Burnley and he needed to stay in the Premier League and you weren't going to do it by playing tiki taka. But I think if you gave Sean Dyche our squad, I think he would play very differently to the way he played for Burnley. I think he would be a long-term solution. That being said, I don't think there's a cat in hell's chance of him taking the job. But then when I look down the rest of the list, Pete, I don't really see that many long-term, long-term solutions. Unless, unless, and this is kind of my my ace in the hole, which you're welcome to blow out the water as 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 a as a theory. Unless you went for a double appointment of appointing a manager who has worked successfully with a sporting director before, and going and getting that manager and that sporting director in one foul swoop. So I'm looking and thinking get Corbram, but get Lee Bromby at the same time. I'm looking a bit further down the odds. I mean, he's barely listed, but I I, I I spoke about him in the summer. I know MK Dons have had a dreadful start to this season, but they lost their three best players. So I'm not particularly worried about that. I'm looking at Liam Manning and thinking, get Manning and Sweeting as, as, as one, you know, as, uh, as, as a, as a duo. I, I mean, that, that is for me, the best form of planning is if you can is it is if you can solve two problems in uh, two birds one stone is the is the old adage. Yeah, well, I mentioned that a, a director of football um, or sporting director or whatever is probably going to be as important an appointment as as a manager. So if you can get two, and then then it would be brilliant, especially if they've got experience working together and they've both got um, similar ideas of the kind of 
football that they want to see their teams play, then it'd obviously make it a lot smoother. Um, I think the issues there is that, especially if you if you go into say MK MK Dons, you're gonna have to pay compensation for for the both of them. Um, and we know that the cash is is not um, something that we've got a lot of, so. That may make it a bit more difficult. It's not. Although, having said that, first of all, the compo at MK Dons wouldn't be particularly particularly high. But also, Pete, it's, it's got to come to a point where you can look at it from that point of view, or you can look at it from the point of view of every time you get this wrong, <laughs> you pay compensation to a manager. That is six managers we've fired now. Now, in some shape or form, at, at, at varying sums of money some will be higher than others some will be less than others we have paid compensation to six managers since Gauchan Lai took charge he seems to be highly motivated by money he's withdrawing money from the club he he withdrew five million last year he's probably paid out more than five million in 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 compensation to various managers so it's got to come a point where you think well actually it's worth the money to get this right but the problem is he'll probably look at it and go but who do I who do I trust at the club at the moment to tell me that this this is money well spent? Because the last time we paid money to get somebody out of a club was Ken paying money to get Valerian Ishmael out of out of uh, out of Barnsley, and it was an absolute blooming disaster. So I I think if you had somebody that you could trust, i.e., someone not Gourlay, then you could make a fairly good case to uh, to to lie to say, okay, you might have to pay I don't know half a million quid to get Manning and Sweeting out of MK Dons, but they will probably be your duo for the next five years, which means you stop all these silly uh, payments out to uh, in compensation. That's a strong argument. But on that basis, you've got to trust that Gourlay knows enough and is getting it right enough that they, that they won't be sacked within six months. Like it seems everybody we hire is. Yeah. And the, um, you know, the, the history of his appointments for Albion, don't suggest that you can trust him. Um, obviously, Bruce hasn't lasted long, and he's taken us further down than where we were when we sat the previous manager. Um, so, yeah, I might be be struggling to trust him to to get the right appointment, and therefore probably won't want to be spending a lot of money to to bring that manager in. Um, again, it it comes higher than well higher than the manager, more at CEO or director of football level. You need to get someone really good in there that you can trust but with the lack of um kind of football experience of the ownership and um Ken at whatever level he's involved at it's difficult for them to kind of identify who would actually be a good director of football and who would be possible to bring in and then trust them I mean we just seem to be seriously lacking any structure that we can make good, well-informed decisions that the owner can trust and actually be willing to invest a bit of money in with the, the hope that you can, you'll be saving that money in the long term. Um, yeah. And it's just, it just always comes back to the structure and lack of um, good, smart footballing people involved with the club. And it also comes back to the fact that Lai doesn't know how to run a football club, Pete, because you can, <laughs> you can, you can follow, you can almost follow the string upwards can't you and you can say look Bruce is a problem he was a he was a jobs for the boys appointment by by Ron Gourlay Ron Gourlay doesn't seem to have a clue neither does Ian Pierce. but ultimately you've got to go above them and say 
okay, but who's giving these people a job? And it's the ownership. And uh, and the issue is, if they could work out what structure they wanted and what a good chief executive looked like, then we wouldn't have these. We wouldn't have these problems. And they 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 wouldn't get away with the absolute, you know, the cheek of hiring their pals. And that's where the the difficulty is of trying to get someone in that will be able to stop all of that poor decision making below them because you've got no one above them who who can make the good decision of who would be a, the right personality to bring in there. So I'm not really sure what, what the what the solution is, to be honest, because we need a, someone to come in as a sporting director or director of football that's that knows football and has good experience and and is intelligent and will make good decisions. But we don't have somebody that's going to be able to identify that person. I mean, the only solution I can think of off the top of my head is what you suggested earlier of bringing in... Um, Killing two birds with one stone, for example, with a with MK Dons or with um, Huddersfield with Bromby and um, Carlos Corberan, because you've seen them work together and and you've seen them have success together. So if you bring in two together, then then you might have a bit more luck. But I still struggle to see us making well informed decisions and bringing the right people. Does it worry you that Lie doesn't seem to realise that? Um, whilst he obviously wants to try and get his money back somewhere along the line from this football club, that he's having, that it's not normal to be having to not only fire a manager and therefore probably give them some degree of compensation pretty much, you know, once a year, basically, and that that's not normal. But also, it's worth noting that recruitment processes cost money. You know, you not only have to that have to pay managers, but you have to pay their agents as well. And that, you know, we talk a lot about Lyon, how he is financially driven and how or how we believe he is financially driven and that he doesn't that he's more interested in what he can get out of this club and, and than, than what he can put into it. But the reality of the situation is that. For, for all the time that they spend um, firing managers and hiring other managers, that's an awful lot of money going out of our football club in not in not a positive way. It's not it's it's not money that is buying footballers who could become an asset and therefore go on you effectively go on your balance sheet as value to uh, to the club, or even footballers that could get you up the league and into the Premier League. So that you you increase broadcast revenues and sponsorship revenues and everything else that comes along with it, and therefore you make more money. It is it it is money that is leaving the football club in the pockets of managers that you don't want to employ anymore, and it's m- money that when you hire the next bloke that's leaving the football club in the pockets of agents who represent the bloke that you do want uh, do want to hire. I know I know we get a bit almost um we can it's very easy to get on our high horse about money in football and and saying that we have a problem with people who are financially driven in football i don't necessarily have a problem with people being financially driven in in football as long as they have a clear realization that the best way to make money in football is to be successful and I think i don't know where lies miss that point somewhere along the line because i have no issue with Gauchan Lai making money out of our football club by it being a mid-table Premier League team because I win, 
The fans win. Everybody wins. Gauchon Lai wins in that situation. Ron Gawley or whoever the chief executive is wins. The players win because they get higher wages. The manager wins because he gets higher bonuses and a higher salary. Everybody wins in that situation. What what I don't understand about the current situation, Pete, is there, there is no winner. There is really no winner. Even even Gauchon Lai is not winning by 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 being so passive with our football club. I do wonder if he's lost all interest in it and whether he's just detached himself from it as much as possible because written it off completely as a well, as a loss. For all we know, we I'd be surprised if the money for Bruce's compensation has actually come out of Lai's pocket rather than just out of the club bank account. So he may have just completely yeah, lost interest and just let but it, it coming out of the club bank account is largely the same as it coming out of the controlling shareholders' pocket, isn't it? To a to a degree. It is, but it's not at I mean, I suppose it's not as noticeable to lie if he has just lost interest in it and he's just going to let it kind of dwindle away. I mean, it is money out of his pocket in terms of his his asset constantly losing value. Um, But yeah, I mean, in football, I think you can make massive gains from just actually quite small investments. If you get the director of football and stuff right up there in the boardroom, then those appointments will probably in the long term cost you a margin of what having people making poor decisions up their will in terms of manager compensation that we've mentioned, even in recruitment teams, getting in a, a top top quality recruitment team will cost a fraction of what it will to sign a fraction of what it costs in a in a transfer window for signing players. And you just massively increase your chances of signing the right players and therefore waste massively decrease the chances of wasting money on, on players that are just not right for the club and I mean, you stop overspending on players, and if you get small parts, well, and they and they turn a profit then as well. Because you made an interesting point off air, Pete, before we came on, came on air. That I mean, I was t- we were talking about the compensation thing and and him paying out compensation, and you made the really good point to me that not only if you if you actually hire the right manager, and this goes for signing the right players as well. If you if you start sorting that aspect of it out, not only do you stop paying compensation to managers you've fired, but actually you might end up in a Graham Potter type situation where a big, big club wants to come and take your manager off you and has to pay you a load of money to do it. And the same goes for the players that, you know, you buy the right players, they get better and better for you. And in the end, a bigger club wants to come and take them off you for far more than you paid for them. Well, that's exactly it. And in the case of players, all it, all it costs is... Is bringing in a, a really good um, recruitment department, and I mean the wages of people working in in football as um, scouts and technical analysts and and recruitment analysts and all of that is is absolutely fractional compared to what players are earning or what you're spending on transfer fees. I can confirm that because I shared a flat with one, <laughs> and believe me, he was he, he was he wasn't rolling in a bed of money every every night. Yeah, exactly, and that's it's ridiculous for the the cost of them to the amount of value they can add to a football club just by helping you make good decisions and and not wasting tens of thousands of pounds a week on wages of a player that that isn't as good as you thought he was or isn't a good fit for the club. Um, let alone the the millions you spend on the transfer fee, and that's just one player. So if you get the small small appointments within the club, right, like those people. And in the boardroom, like your directors of football and et cetera, then you are going to save a huge amount of money 
in the long term on on um, managers and players and just getting those decisions right because well you don't waste it and if you get those decisions right then you've probably got clubs coming in to to pinch you your managers and players that are going to pay you compensation or transfer fees so it's it's just about getting the, the smaller decisions right and investing in money short term and you, you'll save a ton long term before we finish off talking some specific names uh, Pete because I want to I want to sort of uh, I'm going I'm going to twist your arm and get uh, and get a name or a couple of names out of you as to as to who you'd fancy as the next Albion manager but before we do that there was just a, a really nice line towards the end of Elias Burke's article in in the Athletic where he he said um the the uh, the club the fans deserve clarity on the direction of the club from Gourlay and I I have to say, everything we're talking about right now, this is more important than the next manager. This is more important than the next manager because it's so hard for a manager to succeed when we haven't got an identity, when we haven't got a plan for what we want to do long term, uh, when we haven't got a recruitment structure, when we haven't got a football structure and a DNA that runs through the whole club. You know, the, the, for example, the, the the youth teams, the the under 18s and, and that should be playing the same way as the first team play. We can't do that because we don't know how the first team play. They switch formation. We, I mean, God only knows how many formations we've played in the last 12 months. You know, it's crazy. We're all, we're all over the shop. So how how we can teach the under eighteens and the under sixteens and all these youth youth teams that we've got so that they are ready to step in immediately into the first team, a bit like the old La Masaya over uh, over at Barcelona, where you would play one way all the way through the uh, all the way through the the structure and Bosch, you were ready for the first team. We haven't got any of that, and I think. I think it is a Gourlay. We keep coming back to this on this podcast. Gourlay made a big song and dance about, I am going to improve the relationship with the supporters in the, in the long term. Well, uh, uh, with better communication. Well, now is the time, Ron. Now's the time to hear from you. Now's the time we need to hear your plan. Elias Burke is a hundred percent spot on, on this we deserve clarity as supporters. We deserve to hear from you and hear what your plan is, not for this year, not for the next year, but to make this club sustainable and successful over the next decade. And I imagine he's currently rushing to come up with a plan because from what we've seen, there isn't a plan long-term. Um, and No, I imagine he's rushing to come up with a short-term fix, Pete, the same way he always does. Well, yeah, that's more like it, but... It'll be interesting to see how much patience Lai has with Gourlay, whether he, he's the next to go after after Bruce, because, I mean, it, now that it's come out that Bruce was just appointed straight away by Gourlay without any kind of recruitment process or interview process, you'd have thought that Gourlay's neck would be on the line as well for, for making such a, a poor decision. Um, but, again, that kind of comes back to whether Lai's got much interest in the club anymore. Absolutely. Well, we certainly do, Pete, and we we certainly have an interest in who the next West Bromwich Albion manager would be. So let's let's go into some uh, into some names. I mean, I have to say, for me, I mean, obviously, Dyche is the one everybody would, or, or most people would want. He's the one I see most people wanting. I don't think it, it, we it would necessarily mean hoofball football. I really do think he is more pragmatic and intelligent than that. And I think he would, I think he would play a style that suited the players that he's got, but I don't think there's a chance 
in hell of us getting Sean Dyche. I really don't. I think I think there's absolutely zero chance. I uh, I'd like to just axe a few names off the list. I really don't want to see Roy Keane. I don't want to see John Terry. I don't want to see Mark Hughes. I don't want to see any of Ron Gourlay's old pals here. Um, and I also, I, I don't think Scott Parker would be a good fit. I mean, the man walked away from Bournemouth for not having enough money to spend in the summer. He'd have kittens if he came in at our place with with, with our budget. So I don't think that would be a good fit. And then looking at a, a couple of the 20 to ones, I, Ian Ever is a bit too rogue in the in in the press for me. I think he would be, I, I think he would rub some people up the wrong way. I think he'd be, I, I think he'd be an interesting fit with the with the players. We know we've got a difficult dressing room at the best of times because and and they seem to have given up on a number of managers. Um, uh, Ian Everett could be another Valerian Ishmael for me in the way that he could he he could really grind the players up, and I certainly wouldn't touch Liam Rossini who basically failed at Derby and was and was quite quickly replaced when they saw he wasn't up to the job. I wouldn't go near him. Um, and as I said before, I don't think I'd go uh, go near Liam Richardson either because I think that the, the football that um, we can play is pretty awful. I think if it, looking for me, the ones I would I would be sniffing around um, are like I say, Corbran, if you could, if you could get Bromby, uh, I, I would genuinely be pro Manning. If you could get Sweeting, to come uh, to come with him as well um and uh, and then beyond uh, beyond that i'd be i'd probably like i say you you approach Daesh, but i wouldn't have any expectations there um and i i probably would take wilder i would take wilder but again he would ha- he would have to eat a lot of humble pie after what happened the last time to or or somebody would have to eat a lot of humble pie for him for him to come in i'm not sure there's many others on this list that excite me a, a great deal, to be honest. Um, I mean, it's the, the only other one, again, it could be a difficult fit with the dressing room because we know, we know what these, these lot can be like, but you know, I'd be interested in Nathan Jones, but again, I don't see why he'd walk away from Luton at the moment, especially after his experience at Stoke to come to us. So there's not a lot on, on there for me. As I say, my, my preference would be, somebody with a sporting director and that would probably be Corbran or, or, or Manning. But um, assuming that we can't get Dyche and that Wilder is probably unrealistic too. What do you think, Pete? Very similar to what, what you've just said, really. Um, Dyche would be my number one, but probably very unrealistic. Um, Wilder I would quite like, but with the the history, um, it's probably unlikely. Um, and then it's it's... Kind of a list of fairly uninspiring. Um, I think we've mentioned. Well, I've mentioned it before when we were looking at who we should appoint previously. Mark Robbins, maybe, um, but I think he's just had his con. Well, I think he had his contract extended with Coventry in the. I also can't summer. see us paying substantial compensation again, like we did to Barnsley for for Ishmael. Exactly, um, like you say, Nathan Jones. I wouldn't mind, but again, probably unlikely. Liam Manning, I think, um, would be interesting. Um, and, yeah, I'd be f- fairly happy with that, I think. But whether we will whether we'll pay compensation, um, I'm not sure. Probably won't be too much being MK Dons, but um, it's still going to be something, isn't it? And, you know, apart from that, there's 
there's not a lot of inspiration on the on the list of the favourites. Um, do you I mean, do you think some of the the, the young uh, the younger coaches the, the the people who aren't really who aren't really managers at the moment? You know, I'm talking Michael Carrick, Anthony Barry, Enzo Maresca's name gets thrown around. Although I think again, I think that's highly uh, highly unrealistic. John Terry is of course another one that's that's on the list. I I personally think it, this is too big a job for somebody that inexperienced. What do you think? Yeah, I'd agree. And if I think if they've got some brains about them, then they'd avoid it as well. Because I think if you you're coming through as a, a coach and then trying to push to become a manager, then you've got to work in a, a club that's got the the right structure and it's got people above you, where you're not just the the number one man that's that's running everything. Otherwise, you're kind of stepping into a club club to fail. And and if you fail there, then you you don't know where your next job's going to come from as a a young head coach. Um, so I think it would be too big a job, and it, it'd be foolish to to come into Albion at the minute. Um, the one name that I'm just looking at now is is Darren Moore. What, would you take him back, or what are your thoughts on him? I mean, it's it, it, it's it's a tricky one. Um, I mean, again, it's 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 another one where he he will probably look at it to a certain degree and say. I'm already at a big club who could quite easily get, you know, I mean, the, because Sheffield Wednesday, to be fair to them, they're getting 25,000 people a week in, in, in league one. And he could easily get that, uh, get that team up. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know whether Moro needs it. I mean, he, he obviously knows what, the, the inner workings of our football club are like. He knows, he knows the mess that we're in probably better than, than, than anybody else. And yeah, I I don't know. I don't. I'm not. I'm not 100. He actually needs it. To be honest with you, mate. I I I think. Look, I like Darren. Uh, I think he's a good manager. He would. He would almost certainly come along. Come with Jimmy Shan alongside him as well, because Jimmy's obviously just gone back in there at Sheffield Wednesday with, with him. So, you know. And I love both of those guys, and I think they're both fantastic fellas, and I think they're both excellent at the jobs that they do. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely, it's sad to say, but it's like it's similar when people throw around the, the name of Kieran McKenna at Ipswich. I'm like, why would you leave Ipswich to come to us? Like, you know, all that money washing around, a, a decent structure that they're that they're building there, and you're absolutely flying in League One. Why, why would you come? Why would you come? Leave that to come to us, and you know, potentially be sacked in six months like everybody else does. Um, and I think this is the difficulty when you're trying to get people out of clubs that I don't think with that appealing a prospect. I mean, another one that's on the list that I, I wouldn't be against. Again, I'd probably, I'd probably want him to, um, uh, to come with the director of football if we could, if we could get him would be, um, Stephen Schumacher at Plymouth, who I think is an excellent coach and actually, I think a lot of people thought that um, when Ryan Lowe left there, that, that that Plymouth would fall apart. And actually, I think you're starting to see who the real brains of the operation was. That that Schumacher was probably the the better coach out of the two of them, and that Ryan Lowe was just fronting the the whole thing up. But I'd probably want him to come with Neil Dewsnip, who's uh, who, who's um, obviously the sporting director there. But again, they're flying at the top end of League One. I, I don't know about you, Pete, but I just don't think we're that appealing a prospect. No, I don't think we are. Um, and the thing is, we we have got a very strong starting eleven, um, which would be appealing to to managers and coaches. But 
it depends what the from where we where we're stood it looks like there's issues within the culture of the dressing room um and issues there that managers just keep getting sacked and some players seem to not want to play for managers after a certain point and I'm sure coaches and managers will know what each will have heard rumours of what each, what the Albion dressing room's like and what the characters are like. So if they are as what seems to be the case then then that might put managers off even though it is a good start in eleven. Um and as well as just the structure of the club, I think that's plain for everyone to see that that it's not a good structure. Um and you're not instantly set up for success. You with a club that's slowly going well, maybe not so slowly, but certainly going downhill and it's going to take a lot for someone to to change that. Last name that I just want to chuck around before we before we finish, Pete, because we could. I mean, we could go down the whole bookies odds list because it's so that they clearly don't know who's going to get it, and, and so anybody on this list, or to, quite frankly, anybody who's not on this list, could end up as West Bromwich Albion manager. But the one name I, I'm scrolling it at, at the moment, the the odds, and and all I'm seeing it here is every single manager on this list has worked or coached in England at some time or another, except for one name, which is Christian Ilzer, um, the Stum Gratz manager, which just, it just surprises me that he's on there. I don't know anything really about them. I've, I've had a look at the Austrian league table, Stum Gratz are second. They normally are, uh, are second because Red Bull Salzburg win the league and, and normally Stum Gratz come second. So it's neither, it, 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 it neither, um, says great things about him or, or negative things about him that they are where they are in the in the Austrian league. But just on a wider point, can you really see us going abroad for a manager? Because I can't. Well, we didn't for any of our players. I'd be surprised if we've heard of any that any managers that are working outside of the UK. Um, I mean, based on all the comments, unless of and- course we're bringing in Paul Sharner as sporting director. Well, that that is the other option, isn't it? Paul Sharner in and, and the Austrian Austrian base manager in as well. Um, but yeah, Ian Pearce didn't seem to do much over the over the summer. I mean, Bruce was just signing players that that he knew or lived next to or um, is a... He basically went knocking on doors. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I doubt Ian Pierce is going to fly out to Austria. Or to, or to family barbecues. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, uh, um, yeah, I doubt Ilsner's at any any of uh, Gourlay's family barbecues or Ian Pierce's family barbecues. Or I don't think either of them are going to fly out to Austria to knock on some doors out there. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd be surprised if, if the next appointment came from someone that was based outside of the, the UK. Well, it remains to be seen who West Bromwich Albion hire as their next manager. But one thing is without any shadow of a doubt, this is a massive, massive appointment. But equally, as we've said, probably the bigger appointments come up the club because if we don't get that structure right, I do honestly believe, and I, I, and I know from the, from the conversations we've had that Pete believes this as well, that in the long term, any manager is largely doomed to failure without a proper structure around him. And that is what we need to build. Um, we need to get this appointment right in the short term because we need to make sure we stay in this division, which frankly, whilst we're 22nd in the league, is the, is the immediate and pressing concern. Forget about getting out of it. Let's make sure we stay in it first and then see if we can push up the league. But we need to build that structure in the long term. Otherwise, we won't have long term 
success. So we shall wait and see. We shall wait and see what Ron Gourlay does. We shall wait and see if he surprises us and actually shows some real foresight and gets us somebody in, gets us a sporting director, gets us a real structure. We will be back, depending on what happens next, either when West Bromwich Albion hire the next manager or after the Reading game. If reports are to be believed, the Reading game will probably happen before we hire our next manager. But, you know, whenever the big news breaks, Pete and I will be there to give our reaction to it, to you, our listening public. But until then, thank you very much for listening and pop the bank. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Albion have certainly been sharing the goals around this season. They're well into double figures now for different championship goal scorers. So why not take a leaf out of their book and do some sharing of your own with a McNugget share box? Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.